Welcome to the Ivy Podcast. We're just two aunties sharing our experience through the lens of one Blackfoot woman and one Anishinaabe woman. And we are Indigenous Vision, an educational nonprofit based in Montana and Arizona. We are 100% Indigenous led, and this is our podcast. Check us out at indigenousvision.org to learn more about our work, make a donation, or play back any of our radio shows and this episode. Hello, listener. You are officially tuned into episode 93 of the Indigenous Vision podcast. We are so close to 100. I can taste it, Suta. I think we're going to hit it by at least the fall. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I know. The summer's been really busy, though, and there's so much I need to do. There's three outfits I'm working on right now. A buckskin dress, like a new wool dress, Onan's outfit, everything. Yes. The whirlwind for me, it feels like, like things are just picking up and changing and going in all kinds of directions. And I'm just surrendering and letting it take me. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. I was just visiting with an elder the other day. We were planning for a field trip at the end of June and we were saying, oh, it's, it's already the end of June. <laughs> it's next week. The field trip yeah. is but we have a really amazing field trip. And I just, I was just kind of closing my eyes yesterday and thinking about how beautiful my job is because, well, th there's this one particular river that I'm focused on and it from headwaters to where it flows into the Mississippi, I'm, I'm following it. And there's teepee camps all along the whole thing on each side of the bank. But then once you start to get close to the mountains, it gets really, really busy. And those TB camps kind of explode into the hundreds. And then on the other side of the river is Piskins. And that's like our corrals. That's where we would put bison in and shop them and, and have that bison available when we needed it fresh instead of wandering out into the plains to catch them. And so we had the Piskins there. And then there was three Buffalo jumps within like a mile, two miles of each other. And then more teepee camps. And then up on, on the high mountaintops, there's carns and fasting shelters and more teepee rings by those. And those ones are really interesting because they're small teepee rings. And those ones are usually what they contribute or I, I guess attribute to dog days, quote unquote dog days when we didn't, when we had to use dogs to and these little tripod things to carry our gear across places. But like, I, I was just closing my eyes yesterday and imagining this whole valley and Melissa, there's not, there's not a place in the valley where you're standing, where you wouldn't be able to see like other camps down wow. the river. And then I kind of spanned out and, and looked at like a macro view of the Creek that I'm looking at. And this is all in my head, right? This, imagination <laughs> but I like kind of like flew up into a macro view and looked at these other creeks that were above them and and below they look the same the teepee rings number into the hundreds and it's busy and there's you see crossing points where we use travois to cut down across the bank and go up the other side and it scrapes the land in a, a certain style and and it just, it was so busy. We were, we were way more than a hundred thousand people strong at one point because there were that many 
teepees and that many women per teepee, one to four women per teepee. <laughs> and, and then each one of us as women had our dogs. Like that's a lot of people. It's a lot of activity. And it's just, it just didn't leave much of a trace except for the rocks. That's so beautiful. <laughs> it's just, it was, yeah, it kind of blows my mind away about how busy it, it was. I know what well, you're thinking about, like the, the imagery I've was reading a book by Basil Johnston, which is a Anishinaabe elder who's passed on. And he has several books about Anishinaabe culture. And he was talking about in one of the books, the big migration from the East to the pretty much Great Lakes area and the plains where I'm from. And he was talking about how this migration took, you know, hundreds, a couple hundred years, but at nighttime, you could see all of the camps along the rivers at nighttime with all the fires. And it was something to behold. And I got that image when you were talking about that, just to see how many people were out there and just the vast numbers that we had at one point across the land doing our thing. And I often sometimes try and think of that visual of all those campfires going for miles and miles and miles and everybody taking their rest and just enjoying the night and the fire. Such a beautiful thing to like contemplate. Yes. No light pollution, the yeah. stars twinkling above, and then all those twinkling fire camps. Oh, beautiful. beautiful, right? If you could really just go back in time and like throw a drone out there and get a picture of it. Oh, that would be so incredible. Just to see a peak of that history. Amazing. Amazing. So yeah, so that's where my head is. I my head has been in the clouds on mountaintops <laughs> strategizing war prehistoric warfare. What what have you been up to? <laughs> well, I'll have to be totally transparent. My spirit's a little low today. I'm in the process of trying to get a vehicle and you know the pressures of all the systems you're gonna navigate. It's kind of feeling kind of crushing right now, but yeah. I'm hoping to get a vehicle this week so I can actually go out and enjoy the land even more, despite, you know, all the obstacles that there are for getting your very first vehicle this late in life. Let mm -hmm. me just be real about it. It's, it's pretty late for me. So I'm hoping to get this car worked out so I can go and be free and enjoy the luxury that seems like almost every other person in this society gets to enjoy. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm hoping that, you know, I can cut down on my expenses because I rent cars and I go to different destinations and there's a lot of things I don't get to go do because I don't have a car. So this is really going to free me up to visit a lot more events, take part in community events, go out in the community more just in general and even hit up a powwow or two. Oh my goodness. It's going to save you so much time, right? Yeah. I have a couple of powwows on my list as well. My hometown powwows. I always go to those. Yeah, there's not really any till the fall because it's kind of hot here. And I really want to go to an outdoor powwow. Where I'm from, I've the majority of them have been indoors because they're so huge and massive, like like Gathering of Nations, right? Like that huge indoor stadium powwow. That's kind of what I was used to. I've been to very few outside, so I'm really... I just think the the backdrop of these mountains here in the desert are just so beautiful, and I can't wait to see one a full-on powwow this October with the yeah. Southern Paiutes. Like, it's going to be beautiful. Oh, I like the Southern powwows in the fall time. I should travel mm -hmm. down there. But yeah, we have, we're Arbor, Arbor powwow natives, and we have these big, beautiful, well, my hometown, Blood Tribe, has a big, beautiful 
log arbor they did and blackfeet just got this amazing huge structure and i think there's going to be lights in it and everything wow. and i think it's going to be really similar to like the historic they called it north american indian days nade wow i know that big so maybe they're trying to get it back up to that because i know it was a and they're investing a lot in it and i think it's costing more than they expected but i think it does bring the boys to the yard <laughs> you know, it's like the milkshake man you gotta build it and they will come right and yes the better the facility the more people attend and and the bigger the economic flux or mm -hmm. i guess uh, there is i think the only outdoor power i've ever been to was at the fairgrounds in winnipeg when the big fair would roll through in the summertime they would just kind of open up their it wasn't an actual like lodge or looking logs but they do have those on reservations i see them a lot but yeah some are bigger than others some are well maintained than others as well i wanted to talk about people who are not indigenous joining into the dances because i've seen that a lot i've seen a lot of friendship dances mostly which is nothing too you know traditional it's mostly just holding hands and going in a circle and being really mm -hmm. fun and laughing right you the know round dance yeah, just a simple round dance that everyone I've seen that happen on like public city streets during, mm -hmm. you know, demonstrations or whatever. And then I saw this comment on uh, a post on Instagram about this girl who was asking she was non indigenous. She clearly said she was a white girl. She really wanted to learn jingle dress dance. And she was like, is it appropriate for me to get a jingle dress and start learning the dance? And nobody responded to her comment, but I just read it and was like, wow she's genuinely asking if that's like an okay thing oh that's good i love that she's she's even asking instead of assuming that she just has the right and i was i was thinking about it uh too the other day and didn't where did we message that up we message on everything yeah <laughs> i, I, I screenshot it and i sent it to you in a facebook messenger and i was like check out this question she wants to get a jingle dress first of all which I'm not sure how she would acquire that, but I, I've only seen non-natives dance in the powwow in their regular clothes, like just kind of join in, do their thing, kind of imitate the style. Oh, I found it. It's kind of way up there. June 5th, I sent it to you, but let me read it. Is it disrespectful for me to learn native dances or is it taboo? I really love watching you and other dances and would love to feel in sync with the earth and our ancestors. Dance is something I thoroughly enjoy. Please be honest with me. Is it disrespectful for a white girl to be at a powwow? Is it disrespectful for me to dance? Or is it more honorable for me to just watch and dance in the privacy of my own home? Please educate a fellow sister so I don't make a fool of myself. Yeah, I've seen so many people make a fool of themselves kind of dancing really funny out there. And, you know, and then it almost tips over into like mockery and then it gets offensive. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're making a fool of themselves and offending people at the same time, which is a what real. What would you say if she asked <laughs> you that at a powwow? Um, I would, I would really say, why do you want to dance? What, what makes you want to dance? her reasoning was she wants to feel in tune with the earth and her ancestors which is something i know a lot of non-indigenous people are yearning especially here in america because they've been kind of cut off from their original ancestors and histories right they're now quote unquote americanized 
Yeah. And you, and you have to be careful about what ancestors you want to connect with, because as a Blackfoot woman traveling around my traditional territory, my historic territory, I have to be careful about what ancestors I'm encountering with the whole crew of ancestors I'm carrying with me because they might battle. <laughs> like I might be a Blackfoot woman in, in Crow territory and my ancestors might battle. So I, I wouldn't go to anybody else's culture and pray to their ancestors. They're right. not mine. Yeah. I'm always mindful of people's ancestors too. Like, even if you're going to talk smack to someone, like you're talking smack to them and their lineage, like you really got to keep that kind of stuff in mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that room. Yeah. So I, I do, I don't like that. It, it puts, uh, I thought about this and, and, and it would put stress on crafting supplies and it opens the gates to all of these, like how hippies, I don't know what the, I guess the proper term is new age practitioners. New age, yeah. Yeah. How uh, when the the smudge bowl and the sage became popular in about 2000, what, 11 or so. And then we hear by 2018 that the abalone shell and California sage are both nearing extinction because of the amount of pressure it puts on those resources. And so how are we actual natives supposed to be native when our materials for our ceremonial uses are, are disappearing like that? I agree. So it puts stress on supplies. I think if she wants to do it, she should just do it privately or just go in her own street clothes because that's what a lot of people do and always ask. I mean, if you're invited, that's a different story. Do you think it's a different story if you're invited? Because I sent you that video of the uh, one YouTuber guy who said his title read, I danced in a Native American powwow. And the whole reason why he danced, because he was invited to dance with someone's regalia, because mm -hmm. he was doing a YouTube series on what it means to be American. So he stayed with 10 different types of families and made a series out of it. And one of them was an indigenous family. And through the series, they took him in, he lived with them and he saw how they lived. And then they eventually went to a powwow at the end of the series. And the guy was like, I'm going to let you wear my regalia and dance. And then he went around interviewing people. And this one grandma was like, really? She was like kind of stunned, but it's a very interesting take on it and the host which was an indigenous mohawk ojibwe guy was like yeah this might make a lot of people angry but i felt called to give him a a, a dance mm -hmm. and it was during the grand entry yeah only. yeah and so like don't get us wrong listener i don't think this is about like this is not a, a white what white people can do and not do um it's about what's respectful and what's not. And I think there is definite, it's circ circumstantial, I think. And so I can see having a friend or inviting them to live with you and having this cultural exchange that goes in depth. And like I learned from my, my teaching experiences, you can spend 15 weeks talking about certain subjects and still have a person who doesn't understand all the way, you know? And so like even that 15 week cultural exchange is not enough for basic decency and respect in, in individual perspectives for happen for having. So I don't, you know, even if you went in a, a month long cultural immersion, I think it's really circumstantial and, and individual. And I think some people are just more respectful 
in their body language and in their verbiage that they, the term, like all of the terminologies and how they interact with people. And so like I danced in a native American powwow that seems like a pretty legit cultural experience. And he lived with a family and then even, even took a couple of hits at the powwow of, are you sure? What, who, what are you doing? And why are you doing this? But I don't know. I, I wouldn't, um, I don't want the dance cheapened anymore. And even within natives, there's like this conversation of like, well, there's the old ways and the whole concept of powwow is when they banned our culture and they banned our ceremonial practices, it almost stopped us and prevented us from getting together in a social way. These powwows came about and then it got really like circusy with Bill, Wild Wild West show, Bill Buffalo Bill's Wild Wild West show. And that's where like the bustles came out and the chicken dancing, chicken dance is a cool like Blackfoot originated dance. And then um, in the 2000s, because I've been dancing since I was I was born into a set. My mom and dad were awesome about beating my my braid ties and my belt before I was born. And so they were ready for me when I came out of my mom's belly and and have been dancing since. And my dad is a powwower. And, and I noticed in the late 80s and the early 90s, more so late 90s, materials started to cheapen as well. Like we started to get neon neon colors and more plastics and and i'm uh, i'm not going to be popular but i'm really not a fan of those like sparkly plastic beaded earrings like with the big piece of plastic in the the middle of them i just i'm not a fan of cheap materials and and i liked on my outfit like how it it did have you know i don't know it was just a a more traditional but remember i grew up this is a mindset coming from a little girl who sat with old ladies who did get in trouble if I French braided my hair as a traditional dancer. There were all these like rules in the 80s and the 90s to keep the dance honoring something that it used to, like it used to replace almost. And so then there's the jingle dress dance and she's asking about her if she can throw on a jingle dress, well, do, what what is the history she knows about the jingle dress? And is she going to dance for us and pray for us like a white savior? Or is she going to, like, does that even factor in? Is she just, she just want to hop around and dance to the drum and pray to somebody else's ancestors? I don't know. Ooh, that sounded really jaded, didn't it? <laughs> it's It's a lot to contemplate. I thought about it too. I mean, who her ancestors our ancestors and then the yeah. other guy who was dancing the video was really humble about everything he just went into it mm-hmm. danced and said that he went to a different place and he was really mm-hmm. really happy after and i even checked i'm like so where is the revenue from all this video going and he even said at the end i'm giving it all to native organizations he sold a dancing stick and he gave it back to his host all the the proceeds or whatever so he did appear to be very very humble and sincere about everything mm. but the girl who wants the jingle dress i'm not sure we will yeah. never be sure right like yeah. Whenever I've seen people enter the powwow, it's usually during the intertribal. It's not obviously not during the competition, Mm-mm. but they really just want to get in on the, uh, I guess, the medicine, like how it makes you feel and to be connected because maybe they're feeling disconnected or maybe they're honoring or want to honor us. 
but I've never seen it here in the U.S. where I've seen a non-native. I've never seen that. I've seen donations in a blanket dance, but I've never seen people actually enter the powwow dance. Yeah, I think you should leave it up to the arena director too. They they kind of have control over the, and they'll tell you the appropriate time of like everybody dance or every yeah everybody dance come out. That's the appropriate time, and mm-hmm. it's usually the round dance or an intertribal. It's okay yeah. to go out in that time, but like yeah, I would be careful of like that. There is some over exaggerated moves of, and then like getting into it. Like you don't want to look like like the new age group doing a rain dance having some kind of mystical experience in the rain (laughs) right for i love other cultures i grew up around so many different cultures but i've never felt the urge to adorn myself in any sort of regalia from a different Mm -hmm. culture because i know that's just not who i am Mm -hmm. so if someone wanting to make a jingle dress i don't i just don't think that's a good idea yeah and also that those animals uh, like other people's regalia the and we have we have animals in our our regalia so we have either otter or mink braid ties and i think you know going back to the stress on crafting supplies that if we get a whole bunch of people i what i don't like is is animal farmed sourced animals i don't like dancing that's not the way to honor and that's not I think the goal of this dance and and I don't know if we can achieve health either like physically or spiritually when we have that on us because <laughs> it was like it it lived in pain and not freedom and what are we dancing for and so there's that stress on supplies but like the animals need also need to be worn in a spiritually acceptable culturally appropriate way they need to be sourced uh, with some kind of uh, basic acknowledgement of their spirit and their their life, and I know when I put mine on, I I talk to them still like they're like a living animal because I have a connection with with water people, <laughs> and so um, I just it's a different it's not just a barrette it's not just a hair tie it's it's not just like a costume that you're putting on. It's there's there's pieces of power in each 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 piece that you're putting on, and and it usually is inherited or something that your family holds. And so it's not just a outfit. And it's and I think there are a lot of like there there are going to the other side of that. There are a lot of people natives in the community who this is like firefighting for them you know this is the only time of the year that they get a chance to make money and so they pursue the contest aspect of it and seek to win and that's how they support their family and i know if if my dad wasn't winning (laughs) powos in the summer of my you know one to three years i i don't know like that was our form of income and so then if it opens up to a like to a dance beyond natives and everybody is welcome into that, then, then that takes away one more resource revenue for people who who, like me (laughs) and my dad. And yeah, um, yeah, so there's, it's like loaded. It's a loaded question. It really is. Yeah. Stealing of designs. Like how are you going to adorn your outfit and what designs are you going to get ordered on there? Because I have a family design and it's distinctly Blackfoot and that's transferred to me. And so if I see somebody else 
with that design, it's not cool, right? You have to mm-hmm. pay for you have to pay for those things. And and you can't just go stealing people's designs either. Like it's not like, oh, I like that butterfly in those colors. I'm gonna do the same thing too. It does it it matters even when you live in separate countries or on different sides of the country. There's a lot. Know. There's a lot to think about when you're non-native mm-hmm. and wanting to take part in the power, but there's also a lot of ways you actually can because if you do your research, you will find that there are a lot of um I, I give this as a recommendation. Go to your university, look up the Native American Student Association. They usually have some sort of community event once a year where they might have a powwow that's able to be attended by anybody. Like all are welcome to attend, which is the one that I went to because I wanted to meet some people, right? So I went to the student association where they're having their powwow. And sure enough, everyone was welcome to attend. All kinds of vendors were there. And there were definitely people in the crowd who were non-Indigenous who were just like, ooh, Wow. And yeah, you're right. It is up to the arena to make the call on when everybody can dance, because I've heard that call when if you're not in regalia or if you just want to join in, everybody's welcome to get up and go into the circle. So again, circumstantial, if you want to be a part of a powwow, try being a spectator, try and buy as much as you can off of the the merch and the vending tables and just keep it as respectful as possible. I wouldn't uh, jump into the circle and start overdoing things just really keep it respectful and humble right well even in the even in the vendors I try to uh go to the I mean I love that we have all of these new vendors but it kind of makes it like the fair and we we still aren't attracting the healthy vendors like (laughs) I think I'm the the fancy dancer who wants the acai bowl (laughs) (laughs) goodness gracious but like I've always wondered about how these high-powered athletes uh, sustain themselves all summer on fry bread and uh, you know fry bread burgers we need fruit and veggies and and lemonade or like some kind of faux stand that would be awesome oh my goodness I just made myself hungry but um, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's there's a lot. It's a loaded question. I think you should be invited. I think it's individual and circumstantial and listen to the call of the arena director and never assume that you're being respectful because we don't know. We don't, but maybe we'll see what the powwow, maybe not. Mm-hmm. That's it. Thanks for checking out the indigenous vision podcast presented by indigenous vision We are an educational nonprofit based out of Arizona and Montana, and this is our official podcast. This is just one of the projects that we do have going on. If you would like to explore more of what we do, visit our website, indigenousvision.org. You can also sign up for our cultural humility training that's coming up this October 17th. All are welcome to attend. Again, thank you for listening to the IV Podcast.